there, everyone. I'm Joe, and I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for listening to our Lincoln eFree podcast. We are grateful for your support to shine the light of Christ in every home and business in the Lincoln Lakes area and beyond. In case you're not aware, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find the link in our bio. We hope you enjoy this week's message and encourages you and helps you to become the light that God designed you to be. With that, let's jump in. I want you guys to imagine with me that you're walking in the woods on a trail. Close your eyes if it helps, but what does your trail look like? What does your trail look like? Depending on who you are and your experiences that you've had, your trail is going to look much, it's going to be far different than my trail that I imagine or someone right next to you. It could be a trail on your property in the backwoods somewhere that you like to go, or it could be a dirt or gravel trail, or even you're maybe imagining a, just a paved trail through the woods like we have in Baxter Brainerd in the Paul Bunyan Trail. But we could imagine all these other trails. We have a trail kind of in our backyard. It's like a miniature trail that kind of loops around this little pond. And I have to... I have to groom it a lot. I have to make sure I mow it, make sure I like trim it. Otherwise, it just, the, the force just overtakes it, especially in the summertime. It's just, if you get a lot of rain, you get a lot of sunshine, it's just like, poof, like the trail just gets covered with bushes and grass and just weeds everywhere. So it's common knowledge to us that an unused trail gets reclaimed by the forest. Our minds are like a forest filled with trails, both narrow and wide, and more and less traveled trails. So today I want to call us to mind our minds trails. We're in this new series called The Battle. Last week, Pastor Don talked about the battle of identity, for your identity, how the enemy wants to steal it and replace it with his own. Today we're going to talk about the battle for your mind. Because we have an enemy that is threatening the way that we were designed to think. We all want to know our full potential, don't we? I mean, teenage years, young adult years, we know this quite as a reality. We want to know what we're made of. We have dreams. We have visions for our lives. And we aspire to achieve them. We want to know what we're made of. We want to know how far our dreams can take us. But often the world will hit us down. You'll, we'll run into too many closed roads. We'll receive too many you can't or you shouldn'ts. And you just become tired and begin to wonder if your potential in life was less than what you first imagined. And so those doubts become a belief and soon we've settled We've learned not to dream too big. We've learned to have low expectations so we're not disappointed. Walking the path of a settled life for long enough creates a highway in our mind. Some of us are here. I've been here. Where I've just wanted to settle. 
do things the easy way, the comfortable way. But that type of thinking isn't going to lead us to our full potential. Finding your potential starts with changing the way you think. God's word tells us to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. An enemy's battle plan is to keep you stuck in your ways and keep you on mental pathways that lead to destruction. His lies. I'm going to be in Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2, and advise us that to win the battle for your mind and to release us into our God-given potential, we must, one, challenge the tendency to compartmentalize our faith, and two, renew our minds by continually agreeing with God's reality. So let's go to chapter 12 of Romans here and read. You can look up on the screen or pull out your own Bibles, but let's just dive in and I'm going to pick this out one verse at a time. There's only two verses. So like Pastor Jim, you know, I mean, you don't have to listen to the whole psalm. So let's read this here. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So let's just start with verse 1. Paul here is shifting his writing to give believers some practical counsel. The first 11 chapters, he was giving other instructions, but today now he's switching the script and wanting us to realize that God wants us to think differently. He wants to give us some practical counsel, and he is advising us in this scripture to think rightly so we can recognize the reality of God's coming kingdom. And Paul uses this metaphor of the Old Testament priest, which is hard to see if you do not dive into scripture and you evaluate and look at these words that he's using. But just to give a picture of the Old Testament priests, they were, worked tirelessly in the temple. They had lots of jobs. They were jacks of all trades. They were doing temple worship and music. They were teaching rituals. They were teaching the law. And most commonly, they were providing the performance of the daily sacrifices which I looked, and it includes a lot of They have to slaughter the animal. They have to collect the blood. They have to remove the ash. They have to trim the wicks of the lamps of the menorah, clean the cups that were used for the oil and the ash, carry parts of the sacrifice to the altar, bring fine flour to the altar, bring the high priest his meal offering, and pour out the wine offering. There was, there, priests were continually in motion and continually at work on the temple, And only after following strict procedures with this daily sacrifice, where they had to do it time and time again, only then would it be pleasing, acceptable to God, and God would accept that sacrifice. And this wasn't just the priest's day job. This was a lifestyle. Many of them were born into it as Levites in that tribe. This is who they were. They worked in the temple. So breaking down this metaphor, 
I want you guys to look at the words living sacrifice and spiritual worship. Sacrifice here, as the reader back in that day would read it, they would automatically take this figuratively, meaning it's one's lifestyle of worship while thinking about the Old Testament priests. And living strains the metaphor as this is something continual. This is a continual experience. This is a continual lifestyle of worship. And then we look at spiritual worship at the end of verse 1. Worship alludes to this work that the priests did. Everything that was happening in the temple was worship to God. It was work. It was worship. And spiritual, if you look at the Greek, it's better understood as the rational, reasonable, proper way to think. So it's the proper way of thinking about your worship, what you do in life. Because your day in, day, day out things that are happening is, can be considered as worship. Your life is worship. <clears throat> So you need to think rightly to serve it, of your service to God, which is an ongoing lifestyle. So the point that I draw out of this passage is that we need to challenge our tendencies to compartmentalize our faith. Because the threat is that our brain just loves to compartmentalize things. We kind of put it in blocks. We kind of become block thinkers. So we put certain thoughts, emotions or experiences into distinct mental compartments tucked away in our brain. And we do that because it is more efficient for our brain to think and focus on one task at a time. However, the thing is that's bled over to how we approach our faith. So we often think of our faith being something that happens on a specific day of the week. So it's Sunday mornings, I I wake up and I'm aware of who God is because I'm going to go to church. I'm a worship. I'm more aware. Or it's Wednesday nights because I'm going to youth group or kids club or it's the Bible studies. We've compartmentalized where we, we open our Bibles only on certain days or only certain situations I activate my faith. But the idea is that our faith cannot be compartmentalized, you guys. Paul's wor words contradict this notion. So we need to challenge our way to th challenge to think the li that life and faith are seamless. We need to think of our life and faith as seamless. They cannot be broken into compartments. Or I can be a Christian over here and not be over here. Or I can act nicely over here and not over here. Our faith and worship must be integrated into all that we are and do every day. I used to work at a coffee shop, and I drank way too much coffee, so I've ditched coffee, but uh, I, I learned the trade of working in a coffee shop, and the nice thing about working in a coffee shop is that I can work, I can open the shop and then close it, and then I can go back home, and I don't have to think about it. I don't have to bring work home. Similar to when I worked as a carpenter, I could work from five to six and come back home, and I can just kick up. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. The contractor, on the other hand, probably thinks about it a little bit more, but I didn't have to. I was just a hired hand. So the priests in the Old Testament also didn't have this 
didn't have this luxury of leaving his day job behind. Nor do we as followers. Our whole life and time till we rise until we go back to bed is considered an act of praise and worship to God. I love how the message translation um, translates verse 1. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Just your everyday, normal life is considered an act of worship, but we so often compartmentalized it where I'll just activate my faith when I come to church, and then the rest of the six days, I don't need to. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ giving thanks to God the Father through him. So challenge your old way of compartmentalizing faith and start thinking of life and faith as being seamless and a continual expression of worship to God. Now verse 2. Paul is writing with the perspective of the Jewish beliefs back then, and also the ancient beliefs, which at the time the Bible was written, it was generally believed and accepted that the evil powers dominated the world. This belief was held by apocalypticism, which expressed in the prophet Daniel's prophecies that the world was dominated, controlled by the evil and demonic forces, and only a direct divine intervention could switch the script and give humanity a better future. In addition, Jews also believed that there would be a point in history that people, all people, would acknowledge God's rule and reign in the age to come. In this verse, Paul calls us to be transformed by showing us the proper way to use our minds So looking at the phrase, do not be conformed to this world. What Paul is really trying to communicate is do not be conformed to this age of thinking. In his time, the age of thinking was demonic forces are at hand and in control. We cannot escape them. Do not think like that. Jesus taught us that the kingdom of God is here and at hand. Jesus died. He rose again. God is in control. Evil is no longer in power. And then the phrase, the renewal of your mind. The renewed mind is one that agrees, well, first recognizes and agrees with the reality of the coming era. It it recognizes that God's kingdom is here And it's coming. It's not fully here, but we know who's in charge. It sees that reality, understands the reality, other reality of what evil does, and agrees with God's reality. So it's a mind that recognizes the evil demonic powers, but also God's present rule and reign. It's be able to discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
When you agree with the realities of God's kingdom, Paul is saying that you know the will of God. He says right here that by testing that you may discern what is the will of God with a renewed mind as you're aware of God's realities. And you're agreeing and saying, yes, this is true. You begin to unravel for yourself what the will of God is. The common prayer, the Lord's Prayer, says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. To me, that says that something about the will of God means that heaven is to come to earth. Things of heaven are to be coming to earth. It's keeping in mind that God, Jesus, when he came, just did everything absolutely different than what the rest of humanity did. Because he was showing us an upside-down kingdom. Our eyes didn't quite perceive it, but he was showing us what God's rule and reign was like. It's interesting, the word transformed here in Romans 12 is the same word used in the story of the Mount Transfiguration, when Jesus went up with a couple of disciples up to the mountain, and there was a flash, and there before Jesus was Elijah and Moses. They were glowing. Jesus himself changed appearance. When that change happened, when Jesus was changing, and then in the presence of Elijah and Moses, who had already in their physical bodies, but they were living in a new reality with God. This transformation, the word transform, gives us a picture that it is to, we are to, as we are transformed, we are to reflect the reality of another world. We are to reflect the kingdom of God. It's God's world. And then when they descended, Jesus was changed back. But this word transform, we are to be transformed into the, another likeness. We are transformed into the likeness of God. We are to reflect his image. So the point I draw from this verse is that we renew our minds by continually agreeing with God's realities. When we first chose to say yes to Jesus and give our life to him, on that day we clearly saw the two realities before us. One reality was presented by our sin that results in our death and eternal separation from God, what that evil did to us. But on the, second hand, on the other hand, we saw God's reality of hope, restoration, and salvation. And when we were presented with those two realities and said yes to God, that mind was already being renewed. But yet, Paul is saying you are saved, but you are to be transformed continually living a lifestyle of saying yes to God, 
yes to his reality. So I like to say it. You say one big yes to God followed by thousands of little yeses. So when we read our Bibles and God reveals some truth about him, maybe we understand it or we don't. A renewed mind says, yes, that is truth. And we agree with it. But we all know when we hear from God or we read something, a truth, we have a choice. We either agree with God or we agree with the lie that lurks very close by. There's power in the agreement. If we're agreeing with the lies that the devil will plant in our brains, that lie becomes a foothold and a stronghold. Able to really get out of that without God's help. But if we're believing in the truth of who God is, that will set us free. That will launch us into our potential. There's power in the agreement. So a renewed mind is one that can identify what comes from God and what doesn't. And agrees with God's reality. One big yes followed by thousands of little yeses. So how can you mind your mind's trails? Why don't you think back to you, the image that you had of your trail. Our mind is full of little trails, narrow and wide. I think first, to mind our mind's trails, we need to first identify the trails that we need to retire. What are those lies that you're choosing to believe or what thought processes that you're having that is having a destructive influence in your life. This is the devil's tactic 101 is to just, when God's truth comes, he'll just plant a little lie there of doubt or, no, yeah, God said this, but have you thought of this? Are you believing that I don't have that much potential or I am stuck in my ways, I can't change? So first, I think we need to identify the trails in our minds that we need to retire. Let the forest reclaim it and let us find a new trail. Some of us need to put more miles on our trails. Unused trails will get reclaimed by the forest. So some of our mental thoughts are biblical, but we need to put more miles on it. We need to keep walking it over and over again. We got to keep grooming that trail so it becomes a highway. Some paths, I mean, there there was a a school that uh, planted lots of grass before their entrance, and they didn't didn't put a sidewalk until they kind of watched where the path where students would walk, and that's where they put the path. And so, I mean, you have to keep walking and walking to find the path. You have to keep walking a path back and forth. Read your Bible back and forth. Pray back and forth to actually have an effect, have a change in your life. And some of us here need to blaze new trails. What if I told you you could change your mind in as little as seven days. 
seven days. This assertion is backed by research in neuroplasticity. Yeah, try that word, plasticity. It's the science in neuroscience. I'm just going to read a quote from Psychology Today. Neuroplasticity is the ability for the brain to adapt or change over time by creating new neurons and building new networks. Historically, scientists believe that the brain stopped growing after childhood, but current research shows that the brain is able to continue growing and changing throughout a, life a lifespan, refining its architecture or shifting functions to, to different regions of the brain. The importance of neuroplasticity can't be overstated. It means that it is possible to change dysfunctional patterns of thinking and behaving and develop new mindsets, new memories, new skills, and new abilities. Science has finally caught up to God's word. This is what Paul has been talking about, to be transformed by the renewing of a mind. He knew that a renewed mind, a mind that was touched by the Holy Spirit, to change the way we think, could literally have an impact on us. What patterns of thought do you want to start today? What is the truth of God that you've maybe neglected or it's like, mm, I'm not all in on this, that you just need to blaze the trail? Maybe as you go back home today, ask God, what new trail of thought he would like you to start. I'm going to end with reading a poem. I'm not normally one who reads poems, as you, I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm not much of a romantic, nor is this a romantic poem. Some of you wish for that, but I'm going to read a poem, The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler I stood, along I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there had warned them really about the same, and both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how one leads on, how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all of the difference. This poem reflects on our choices in life. Sometimes they're small and insignificant, but all choices lead us to a fork in the road. We must choose right or left. But there's one clear road less traveled. Jesus called this the narrow way that leads to life. Your potential and the future you long for is found on this path, but requires you to go to battle over the lies in your mind. So I just wonder what your thoughts and future would look like tomorrow 
if you chose to go to battle for your thoughts today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're not alone in this battle. We don't have to fight for our mind on our own. We have the comforter, the advisor, really our life coach, the Holy Spirit with us. Lord, we know and recognize that there is an enemy out there that just wants to plant lies after lies in our mind or overload our mind with too much information, too many trails in the mind that we can't focus on any of them. So, Lord, we are aware that there is a force out there that wants our destruction. But we agree with your way, God. Perfect love will cast out all fear. And a renewed mind is what we long for, God. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you touch our minds. Help our minds to think, to conceive, and to process the way they were designed to be. And we offer our daily, ordinary life to you. Our coming and our going, our sitting and rising, our conversation with our friends, Lord, protect our minds, protect our words that come out of our mouth. We need you. And God, we are looking forward to the day that you come back in person, that you make all wrongs made right again. We long for the coming era, that your kingdom is fully here. Lord, help us represent and reflect that kingdom here and now. Let us not wait and become settled with life, but let us go after it in the name of Jesus. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you're interested in learning more about Lincoln E. Free Church here in the Lincoln Lakes area, you can go check out our website, lincolnefree.org, and you can give us a follow on Facebook. Have a great week.